This is the Joy of Geek. Welcome to the Joy of Geek Podcast, episode 50. I'm Rich Lepore. Kevin Shaver. And today we are coming to you live from Ultimate Comics in Cary. Yes. They are nice enough to let us use their facilities to do yes. our recording, which is exciting. Big shout out to Alan and Crispy and all those guys for letting us be here. And we're back in the warehouse, so this is like the perfect recording location because as much as I love my room, the you know these are better acoustics here. Yeah, they are. It's a comic shop and we're talking comics today, and so... On that note, Rich, what book are we talking about? So we are talking about Nailbiter, and this is a book that we've discussed a couple times in the past yeah. on the podcast, um, just in, di- in reference to different, when we finished individual trades uh-huh. and just how great it is. Um, it is a book that is written by Joshua Williamson, uh-huh. uh, who you may know from Birthright. Uh, he also did Ghosted, although I think this is his biggest book. He's also a Marvel that, guy now, well, he, right? No, he's DC. DC? He's writing okay. Flash. No, oh, yeah. okay. So okay. That's his, I, I mean, he also did some Marvel stuff, but anyway. He may um, have done some smaller, but he's mainly DC. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Um, but Nailbiter is the book that I got into him yeah. through, um, mm-hmm. and it, it came out about three years ago initially. It finally it, it concluded with its 30th issue, I believe last year, was it? I think it was earlier this year. Earlier this year, yeah. 2017. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's fairly recent. Yep, yeah, May, actually. Yeah, wow. yeah. Um, so uh, Because we, that, when we met Mike Henderson, the artist at Heroes Con, I think the last trade had just come out, and um, it was just wrapping up. But yeah. Um, speaking of trades, they're sitting here on the table and next to us, beautiful. and they are gorgeous. So yeah. um, when I first saw the very first Nailbiter trade, and I'm a big guy into trade dress, I was a little bit not loving it. I mm-hmm. looked at it, and I was like, I'm not sure if I feel the art on this. Mm-hmm. It looked a little bit like some guy's first take at making covers using Photoshop. And okay. then... Over time, it really grew on me, and then I realized like this, they went for this really nice. If you have a computer uh, in front of you or later, you should look yeah. up just the covers, and they're color coded. So the first one's red, the second one is blue, the third one is green, the fourth one is yellow, the fifth one is uh, purple, purplish hue, and the last one is black, of course. And, and each arc works blood into the title. Yeah. So we've got let's read them off. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So the first arc is called "There Will Be Blood." The second one is "Bloody Hands." The third is Blood in the Water. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize this. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. The fourth is Blood Lust. Um, the fifth is Bound, Bound by Blood. Um, and, and the sixth is The Bloody Truth. Yep. Interestingly, yeah. um, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. However, I over the last couple of days, I've been rereading parts and, and, and finishing the series. Yeah. And I found myself wanting to listen to a song called uh, Blood Buzz, Ohio, yeah. by The National. And I realize now, just this moment, yep. that it might have been subliminal. Yeah, um, yeah. That I was like, because of the blood in the title, right. I didn't even realize it. Isn't that funny when that happens? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so we're going to be talking about this book. Um, we're doing, I think, the fir- the fourth, excuse me, the third rendition of our graphic novel book club. Yes. Because um, we, if you want to, um, and this one will be really the biggest one yet, because the other two, we just did the first volume sure. of the series. So first we did was Outcast, right? And then we did Runaways um, a few months ago, both with Jordan. Um, and Jordan is our Runaways expert, so. Yeah, um, I, we were just talking the first volume there. This one we're doing the entire series, so full spoilers ahead. Full spoilers. Um, so if you have not checked out this series yet, um, go check it out and then come back for this. But yeah, we're going to be talking about the ending. We're going to be talking about all the characters, the all the themes, twists, the, the twists the, and the turns. Reveals, yeah, yeah. Um, you know the way the way we felt at different points in the story. Right, right. Um, well, this is one of those books you can't just say like, yeah, I liked it, but no, we really got to go into what we thought of 
each twist, each character, how the series wraps up. Um, so yeah, so this will be a full And interestingly, as an overview, one thing that's really interesting as, as sort of a first salvo of discussion, um, one thing that's interesting about this book is much like, um, do you watch Game of Thrones at all? Yeah, I've, uh, yeah. So, so you know the character of Jamie Lannister. Right. So right. that the idea of Jamie Lannister is at the very beginning, and this isn't a spoiler for Game of Thrones, everybody knows it's the very beginning, um, he does something horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, he knocks uh, Bran, a totally innocent boy, out of a window. Yeah, trying while to he's kill. having sex with the sister. Right, yeah. trying to kill the boy um, yeah. so that he can't reveal their secret. Um, it's pretty much, when you combine incest and attempted murder on a child, yeah. it's pretty much as bad Whoa, as it yeah. gets. Yeah. Um, and then that series then proceeds that to... that was the pilot. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And then that series... Um, proceeds to try to humanize him for the rest of the series mm-hmm. and and to great effect I've heard I'm only through the first excuse me the third series I'm working on the fourth now I'm a little behind mm-hmm. um, but my understanding is that over time and it's really hard that was yeah. a, that was a gargantuan task it was sure. kind of a reverse breaking bad um, and it's really interesting though they to some extent they have been able to do that and then you, when you learn more about his backstory you kind of understand uh-huh. where he was coming from maybe not in that move but right. in certain other decisions that are being held against him I, I, I bring it up because it's a great parallel um, for our main character right um, who is the nail biter uh-huh. um, and what is his name Edward Charles Warren and he is how, how apropos the three yeah. the three names yep three um, names very, very much a uh, right true yeah, yeah. true mm-hmm. very much a uh, serial killer type thing sure um, and he's that type of character he you know he's a killer he pretty much makes no bones about it he's mm-hmm. done horrible things his whole life he's got this gross habit of you know biting his own nails mm-hmm. biting the victim's nails that he kills he's kind of like humorous and unabashed and he just sort of sticks it in your face that he's a bad guy but never quite admits it never quite owns up to anything he's just a really good character right. uh, charismatic um potentially a sociopath in some ex- to some extent but obviously cares about certain people mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and himself um it's a very interesting character, and it, it was really interesting to read and have different opinions of him throughout. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and, and to actually, you know, take a guy who I know is a serial killer and give me a, have me feel for him right. is a real challenge, especially in a comic series. Right. Because, I mean, no matter how long your series is, I mean, even 30 issues, it doesn't have the – I mean, it takes a couple hours, four hours to read. It's yeah. not like – a 40 episode series where right, they have right. all this time. I mean, this is the real estate is limited in a yes. comic book. You have to be very careful about your beats and, and the uh-huh. way you tell your story and yep. what you put between the panels that, that the reader has to assume has happened yeah. to, to get you to different places. And, you know, within the real estate of 30 issues, I just was on a roller coaster of emotions about the character. Yep. Absolutely. Which was, which was definitely interesting. And um, so we'll definitely yeah. get into that. That's one of my guiding questions. And, um, but we'll get into that. We're just going to do, I'll do a brief introduction of the whole series sure. to get us going, um, and we'll kind of break it down from there upon, with the main characters, then some of the supporting ones, and then some other guiding questions to get through the themes and story beats. Beautiful, um, but, beautiful. We'll take it away. Let's, okay. let's let people know what the series is about, or at so, least So, here's refresh. just a brief summary, um, get us going, but Nailbiter takes place in the fictional town of Buckaroo, Oregon, which is infested with serial killers. The most infamous of the Buckaroo Butchers, as they're called, is Edward Charles Warren, the Nail Biter. Possessing a weird fetish for biting the nails of his victims, Warren has murdered more than any of the other Butchers. Now, however, he's being released from prison at the start of the series, which ushers in a wave of controversy and new terrors. Among the ones haunted by Warren's return is Sheriff Shannon Crane, his high school sweetheart. As new killers rise up and the federal government comes in town to investigate, 
It's up to Crane and a handful of allies to uncover the mystery of the Buckaroo Butchers once and for all. But if she is to fully discover all of the town's secrets, she'll need Warren's help. This series explores heroes, villains, intrigue, and the age-old question, what makes a killer? Or what makes us evil? Sure, sure. Um, so that's well, great well, to get us started. Um, well, well done there, Kevin. Yeah, no it, it's it's a lot to think about. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I'd say when we... When we st- when you start reading the book, I'm a big lore guy. Sure. I love lore, sure. and so the idea of this series is, um, and it says right on the back here, um, you know, solving the mystery of where do serial killers come from, uh-huh. and this concept that they all come from this one town in Buckaroo. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's Buckaroo, Oregon, Oregon. Yeah. Oregon. It's like um, it's right near Portland. So it was always intriguing to me, and whenever I think about comics or work of any kind, and I do this type of analysis, I always think about a blank page, and imagine as a writer myself, and imagine how do you fill that page and make this six issues, six trade yeah, series, yeah. right? How do you how do you do that? And so it all starts with a fundamental question of like, what if you could determine what makes us evil, or uh-huh. what makes a person evil, or what if we could have some kind of lore or reveal around all these killers coming from one town? Right. And when I heard about that premise, I was like, that's a cool premise, but how on earth are they going to sell that? Yeah. How on earth are they going to answer that question? Um, and that is was always the driving force for me. And obviously, it teases you a lot as you go along. There's a lot of those moments where they're just about to reveal what happens, right, right. and then some the, an angry mob busts down the door and you don't get an answer right, right. or um warren rolls out and uh goes to do some exploring or investigating of his yeah. own and and different things like that so it's always kind of teasing you with that question i'm glad they didn't draw it out to 50 issues or 70 issues yeah i think that it go- ended at just the right time and i think that's one of the main standout aspects of it um but also you know it's not the most like strikingly original. There's no criticism of the series. Sure, like, it's not. I mean, there's. It's not the most strikingly original concept for a horror comic. Um, it's very Silence of the Lambs. Like, uh-huh. um, Warren is very much the Hannibal Lecter of the series. They and, even reference it. Right, right, and that's the you know. So it's very. It understands that. Um, but I think so much of what it comes down to is the way the story is told that captivated me as the reader and kept me going all thirty issues and. Um, made me want to know okay what are the reveals and um and i think the biggest part of that is the characters um, right uh, here and um how they move the story along so with that let's get to some so we've already talked about warren a little but um let's start with shannon crane um and so so she's our heroine right um she is a she's blonde Uh um short blonde hair um she is she's really the she's the person who as much as she wants to escape her past and the horrors surrounding her in Buckaroo, she feels that she's the only one who can really protect it because she doesn't trust the federal government right. to do her job. Um, she obviously has a history with a the most king. notorious one of them all. Although, and I don't believe we knew that early on. Not if, Early on, you know that she kind of has some sort of defensiveness right. about Warren, right. but we don't, we don't know, know about the relationship till roughly the third volume, till right. it really becomes clear. And there's an even bigger reveal about midway through the series, which we'll get to soon. Uh, that, about um, about the, the what their relationship culminated in. Right. Um, what I think is interesting about her is that the fact that she, as a character, is probably the least interesting uh, 
developmentally, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. character-wise. She kind of is, she's constant. Right, um, right, she, right. She isn't one of the variables in this story. She does what you expect her to do in general. Right. Um, and, and it's very necessary. So when you have her, her, we'll talk about her partner in a second. Yeah. And he's a loose cannon. Yeah. Um, whereas she is um, consistent, and you can count on her and rely on her, and she always yeah. does the right thing, right. or at least tries to do the right, right thing. Right. And um, people count on her, and she really is this rock, this unifying force. And uh-huh. without her in this story, I think it would crumble a bit. Yeah, it really needs her as a through line. She's almost the view, the reader's uh, viewer, yeah. the reader's conduit to this sure. story. And sure. and like I'm her, and I'm going through this this crazy uh, hall of mirrors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about her partner. So her partner is Agent Nicholas Finch. He is the FBI agent who comes to Buckaroo um, to help lead the investigation. Um, and this is after his partner Carol goes missing, um, and so he's teamed up with Crane. And as Rich said, yes, he is loose cannon. He we discover that I believe it's at the end of the first arc is that um, he's killed. he killed someone um, who he had interrogated in the past. A um, horrible person. A, a horrible. Yeah, like he a killed person. A, he killed a. I think it was a child killer or yeah. some kind of murderer. But the, the lowest um, of the low. Right. Right. And I believe wasn't his history in like. Um, Getting confessions out of terrorists. Yes, isn't that's that the a, background yeah, on yeah, him? Yeah, that's his end too. Um, so he really has had to do. I mean, it's one of those scenarios where you get the character who's a little shell shocked, who's been right, to war, right. who who understands, who who's who's been asked to cross the line legally, right, or at least right. legally according to the law of his land, right, many right. many times, and then. I don't think he ever killed anybody there before. At least it isn't discussed because they talk about it like once you've killed one person, you've crossed that line, etc. Referring right. to the one that we know he killed. So I think it's only that one. But right. he has tortured a lot. Right. He's seen, he's he's administered a lot of pain. Yeah. And he's in a lot of pain, which right. is interesting. And um, he's called there by his best friend. So another characteristic, if I had to give him one, uh, is loyal. He is loyal yeah, absolutely. to the end. Uh, he well, will do whatever and- he can for his friends and his uh, uh, colleagues. That and what I think is interesting about Finch is, you know, I know you talk uh, Crane being sort of the static one, but I think it's Finch who is ac- actually changes the least over the course of okay. the entire series okay. because by the end of the book, true. he tries to uh, um, kind of retire and find peace with himself, and instantly you see him this page of him out fishing, and he's like, "F this!" And yeah. he immediately goes back to doing what he's and they best rehire at, him too. Re- right. right. So he, while he is a loose cannon. He is the, I think, most static character of them, and so um, whereas Crane does undergo more of an arc, and um, okay, and I think she does more come to peace to it with herself. Um, both are in a point where they are kind of miserable and like surrounded by evil and torture their whole mm-hmm. lives, but I think she does a better job of by the end coming to terms with it and um, escaping all that. Whereas okay. he goes right back to it and can't escape from and has his temper he's still tempered the by thing the end. Of, okay so 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 static in that way i see what you're yeah, saying yeah, yeah, yeah. um consistent or doesn't change in that well, no, not, we know yeah, what sure. we know what to expect from sure. the moment to sure. moment so yeah we could say he's a loose cannon but by very definition of a loose cannon it's a guy you don't know what to expect sure, sure. um is he going to keep his cool under the circumstances sure. is he going to fly off the handle um so yeah i mean i guess we the argument could be made and i see your point yeah. that here's a guy he's an interrogator he tortures people um, he's killed somebody, um, and he does it for you know ostensibly the right reasons. Yeah. And then, throughout the throughout the series, that's what he does. He yeah. tortures people. He goes too far. And he's still doing that by the end. That that is yeah. true. Yeah. That is true. Um, although, I'm not saying he's totally not like yeah. uh, totally static. I just think 
he as far as like when you look at the arc of each character mm. he's the one that is more or less at the same point from the start to the interesting. end. Interesting. I'd, I'd argue that she is too. Yeah. I think her outside circumstances have changed. Sure, sure. Um, but I think that she uh, as a character has uh, um, has stayed pretty much the right, same right. In, in, in the way she behaves and what right. she does and all of that. So. But that brings us to who I think is really the main protagonist of the series and who undergoes the most interesting arc and that's Alice who is the... Um, right. The, uh, who... Um, you don't know at, at first. You don't know at first. At first, she's a troubled, you know, daughter of the town, foster child that um, gets her and gets sort of uh, um, caught in this whole story against her will, really. Um, and you know, she gets captured by the Bucker Butchers at once and at one point. Um, but we later learn that, and the and where the story really shifts her is about midway through when we learn that she is the bastard child of Warren and Crane. Um, and so this is... Pro- pro- would you say that's the most significant twist of the series? I mean, like, um, or did you kind of... I don't know. Did you see it coming at all? Uh, I mean, I don't think any of the things that, that happened in this um, really shocked me. Sure. Okay, um, yeah. I definitely didn't... I definitely didn't know that one exactly. Right, right. I thought that there had to be some connection because... Of the fact that she was so emphasized, and sure. I, you know, in the other big twist too that we get, you know, near the end when you find the identity of uh, the master, right, right. Um, it's kind of like, and I mention this a lot. It's kind of like when you watch a a, a crime procedural yeah. on TV, and mm. all of a sudden there's this character who's, who's kind of looming in the background, who's popping up and, too often. Right, you right, know, right. there's too much screen time for a minor character. That makes it very clear. So that's a very sure difficult balancing act to do because sure. otherwise it feels like they popped out of nowhere so sure. that's bad in fact worse in my opinion right. when you have a character that just appears and it's like oh he was the killer all along he wasn't even in the fucking story you know that's worse sure. but at the same time in trying to make sure that he has enough screen time to be valid and important and interesting um for it's it to tough, be a reveal yeah. it is a very tough balance yeah, yeah. um but the daughter, I mean, she was so up in the story. Right. I didn't right. know. I think that it was his daughter. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Um, I you think that was a screen, surprise. It was a little but... while ago before I, when I actually experienced that. So it's hard to remember how much of a surprise it right, was to me. Right. Right. But well, think, it's interesting. But twist aside, though, she's Great. a character who undergoes a really interesting arc, and she's a character who is really forced to confront her inner demons. Whether mm-hmm. or not she's someone who, being once she learns that she's the daughter of the most infamous serial killer in the town it's she's under so much pressure to people think she's just going to turn into the next one and she's forced to confront that and she has to really determine her own path and it's a fascinating it makes for a fascinating arc especially in the last few volumes true um so in fact i really i mean she's the one who changes the most from someone who is totally lost at the beginning of the story to someone who has found peace by the end and um she uh, you know is sort of the narrator at the very end um, is sort of our, she writes a know, journal entry that right. sort of sums up the story right. thematically. Right, or the perspective has shifted her, and so I think she, in many ways she is the hero of the story. Um, even though I mean Crane is sort of the the unshakable force there. They go, you know. Um, but that's one of the she's one of the most interesting for me. I think definitely, um, yeah. definitely. It's interesting for so, because of the fact that she wasn't introduced as such an important part of right, the story. Right. I didn't ever shift my cognizant sure. understanding of her as a main character sure, but sure. you're absolutely right now that you frame it that way in a lot of ways take you know there are three main characters 
at the beginning, right? right? There's Warren, there's Crane, and, and there's Finch. Nicholas Finch. Yeah. And then as the story goes on, um, Alice definitely becomes number four. Right. Um, and, and, and in many ways, you know, two of those characters created her, so she she almost embodies the story most clearly right. of anybody in the story. Well, and also, I read the last three volumes in the last few days, yeah. so like, which is very focused on her. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's, she's definitely very much in it. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing about the story, and, 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 and you make a good point, because it is a lot about self-determination. Right. Um, how much of it is nature, how much is nurture. Mm-hmm. They yep. even go so far as to bring that question bring, up oh, yeah, a couple yeah. times, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's very valid here. Um, also, the concept of generations, and what do we pass on to our children, and what do they become, and yeah. how much... I mean, it is the nature-nurture question, but you know how much of our actions and what, what we do to try to help them or hurt them or... Or, or guide their destiny, you know, is the right thing. He's mm-hmm. trying to figure out what the best way to raise the next generation is very, very right, difficult. Right. So Crane, interestingly, had a brutal decision. Um, she was pregnant. Um, the nail-biter had flown. He yeah. left because he knew, and in one of the most emotional reveals in the whole thing, and I don't even know if it really happened. We can talk about that. Uh-huh. But he, he left because he knew he was a killer. Yeah. And he knew that he could not uh, be around her because he'd kill her too and he loved her. Right. He didn't, of course, know he had a daughter at that point. Sure. But at one point, he actually makes the comment, if I had known, I would have come and killed you in your crib, right. which is horrendously brutal. But it really... It really. He uh, says he doesn't want, didn't want to create another him. It yeah. demonstrates uh, this tremendous conflict within the character yeah. um, that manifests itself as sort of like a wry humor that he's always expressing. Uh-huh. It's like the, his only way to cope with the fact that he is conflicted about almost everything. Uh-huh. Um, his behavior. It's an interesting concept in psychology, actually, the concept of um, your actions versus who you believe yourself to be. Right. It's a very tough balance to get in life. I've dealt with that in that. Do the things that I do represent who I think I am? And if those things aren't in parity, you're not going to feel right. You're going to have bad dreams. You're going to mess up your relationships. You're going to thrash around the world and cause devastation until Mm -hmm. you get yourself and your behaviors in sync with who you believe yourself to be. And and that's the big conflict that he has because he can't do it. He has these drives that are against what seems like his moral code, Mm -hmm. which is really, really fascinating. Um, And so there he is. He finds himself in a position where... Of course he loves his daughter. That's his, his, his daughter. It's his next generation. It's his blood. Um, and he is a compassionate, very emotional person, right. I would say, when it comes to things like that. I used the word sociopath earlier because in many ways he comes across that way. Yeah. But it becomes clear later on that he definitely does have a big heart for right. certain things. Well, um, and that's why we as the readers struggle a lot throughout the series to we're like, should we feel bad for him? Because like, up until the end, we wonder... Is he just mentally ill? Is it totally against his will? Because um, we're led to believe that he does love a crane. He wants what's better. He doesn't want to create another him. He doesn't want to be a danger to everyone. But maybe there is something that's uncontrolled about him. But then, well, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but it culminates with the reveal of the murder gene at the very end. And um, what happens there um, makes us take back some of those assumptions because we learned that it no it was totally his choice all along 
um, to become the monster who he became. Which um, kind of throws into question the whole concept of the murder gene. Sure, sure. It's interesting. That, uh, well, let's talk about that. We'll get to that later. later. Yeah, 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 but yeah, it no, is an interesting yeah. cake and eat it too scenario. Right, right. There are a couple of those in this book um, that, that weren't my favorite aspects, but, sure, but sure. We, can, we can discuss those. Sure. Um, let's go uh, further through the character list. Um, well, so Warren was the next one. But, um, well, let's talk a little know. bit about him. So we yeah. talked about him. He's, he's a, dual, right. a dual character in a lot of ways. Um, he's... He has a sort of celebrity status yes. within Buckaroo because he has this just infinite charisma about mm-hmm. him that allows him to really capture the minds and hearts of his fans out there. And it's really evident in, um, so in the final arc, he gets shot by this um, uh, stranger right now who comes out and says, I represent the families the of wives, all the your daughters, and the all sons, that. Yeah. Yeah. And he shoots him, puts him in a hospital. And when he's there at the hospital, there are all these flowers and gifts put around him, given to him by his fans. Right. You know? And so when I saw that, I was I was status. really you know the, the way the book did a really good job of making that point uh-huh. was having us think, wow, he finally the world has turned on him. Right, right. And he's been shot down in the street. Nobody loves him anymore. Right. Wow, he's finally got his comeuppance. And, and then, then they flip it on you, and he's surrounded by flowers and right, love. Right. And and it does a really impactful job. That and obviously yeah. made an impression on you. It did with me too. Yeah, sure. When I saw that, I was like, I. And you know what's funny and sick? I was relieved. I was relieved yeah, I that and he that's... wasn't being ostracized. And he's a monster. And that's but yet like, I was happy he had love. And that's the sort of just like I said, the way this story is told. That's sort of the magic about how Williamson writes it. How Henderson conveys the art. They make it such a human story. They really manipulate you, and uh, you know by the end you feel kind of horrible, and you're like, "Oh, I sympathized with the murderer. What am I like?" And you know, but it has that effect on you. And it's really interesting. Um, but yeah, he is just this like ultimate Hannibal Lecter uh, character who um, leaves an impression on the reader from the very beginning. Um, who really helps carry the series, um, and all along that's what we're wondering is like. Will he turn around in the end? What kind is of he like, redeemable? is he redeemable? You know, um, is he sick? Is he um, is, is someone does he have this, him? You know, does like, he have yeah. this magical uh, supernatural thing that that, right. that is the either MacGuffin or or driving force right. of this whole story right. or right. not? Yeah. Um, what's... And we're pulled into that mystery from the beginning, and we're not let go until the very end. No, that's very true. They do a really good job of that. I, I sympathize, again, with my blank page theory with writers when I think about how do you start volume four uh-huh. of this story and yeah. volume five of this story when you have to, like, oh, it's an arc, yeah. so it's got to start from scratch again in a way. Yep. Uh-huh. It's got to build up again in a way and have, you know, a three-act at least structure in, right. in a way, but also be leading the story forward while not giving away too much. Yep. He does a killer job at, yep. at pacing the reveals out yep. and not making it feel too artificial. It's always going to feel when the, th- when the last issue... I mean, yeah, you're going to be let down in some ways, but... Overall, I was satisfied by the definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, next character. Okay, so that gra- wrapped up the four main characters. From there on, we have some other supporting ones. Um, so Reverend Fairgold, I think that's how you say it. Um, yeah, he is the town preacher um, whose son is, is murdered, utilized, right? Is is and, lured into this murder game, right? And um, is then murdered. And I think volume two is when he got killed. That's right. Um, and so. His wife never gets over it. Right. The whole time she's, like, pretending he's still there at dinner. Right, right. Very damaged. And at the beginning... And he's just you, torn up. Right. At the beginning, you think of him in a more antagonistic fashion, but I think they do a really good job of having him walking a gray line yes. between good and evil the whole time, because 
you know, I mean, yeah, he lost his son, his wife went crazy. I would, and there's this well, uh, murderer who people appear to be sympathizing with out on the streets. And there's yes, a murder I store would, celebrating right, his shit. Yes, I would hate my town too if I were that, and you know, right. think it's going to well, hell. You know, well, so. plus, plus, here's a guy who, and this is this is this is just kind of the way I interpreted uh-huh. it. You have a guy who's religious. Uh-huh. He believes that there's a higher power that, that makes the right thing happen. Right. Or that, that there's justice in the world or that there's a benevolent God. Right, right. And then the worst thing that could ever happen to a person, their son is brutally murdered. Yeah. There's all this unpunished crime going on around. Yeah. And one direction he could go in is he could just hit despair mode. He does. Yeah. But he could take it in the direction of just like, you know, F this, F yeah. religion, F my God, F uh-huh. all of that. I, it, it, It's worthless. It has no value. It, it's obviously been proven to be fake. Uh-huh. I'm totally disillusioned religiously. Instead, he doubles down. Yeah. And he says, you know what? I still believe... And maybe this was my calling. Maybe wage this was what drove right yeah. drove yeah. me to wage this holy yeah. war. Yeah. And so he he has those two options because right. you can only go one way or the other. Right. Um. And with this driving force, so he he goes. He he puts on like a bandana with a little sun on it. Right. And he becomes like this bright cleansing light right. of the town. Now that I thought that was going to last much longer. Yeah, I thought they yeah, were going to yeah. do the whole like anti-murder cult like for the rest of the story right. i was actually kind of relieved that they didn't yeah I know, uh, it wasn't the normal cliche like you would see in say true blood on hbo right. or something he sort of pops in and out and um eventually he comes to actually work with crane because um you know he he's got access like, to some archive he has access, that was a little yeah, weird that how was that all, all came, yeah but but yeah i am glad that the whole yeah like anti macro cult kind of thing didn't last too long but mm-hmm. um but yeah i just like what they do with this character because you know, especially at the beginning, like, I mean, his son, despite what happened to him, he was a total douchebag, and yeah. he was, like, uh, yeah. and, um, you know, he was very misogynistic and, um, overpowering, and so you had a little sympathy for him, and so you were, initially, you're led to think that Fergal is just, like, an antagonist, but, again, he makes, he's, walks an interesting middle ground there, um, and so, yeah, he pops in and out of the series, um, and I think he's pretty well utilized. Um, he definitely is. He he moves things he moves things forward in a good way. Yeah. Um. He's he's also a plot device in a lot of senses. Yeah. So like some they, of the supporting characters just are, and which is yeah. which is good. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. it works well. Yeah. Um. He is a reason why um Warren is arrested when he's arrested. Right. right. He's a reason why they can't get to the cemetery when they need to go. Right. He's a you know he just he 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 enacts these things that have to happen for the plot to move the way it right. needs to move. Right. Right. Which is cool. That's I'm with happen. it. Yeah. I'm with it. Yeah. So I like it's him deft. Yeah. It's definitely done. Absolutely. Um, so that's Reverend Fairgold. Then we have Agent Abigail Barker. Nice. Is, what a great character. Yes, Just thinking about her makes me happy. So she's a character who you hate at first. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, she comes in. She is that archetype that you know from every FBI right. movie. The of feds coming the, in. And they take over the case. Yep, yep. They, 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 they withhold all the information from the local police. They act high and mighty. And generally speaking, it's the local police that really know what's going on, even though the feds get all the power and sure, control. Sure. And you're frustrated and you hate her. And then also we have to we view her through Finch because yeah. uh, Finch is her um, responsibility. Yeah. He she comes in there to deal with the situation that's getting out of control because Finch represents the FBI and he's there right. fucking up bad. Right. And also he's under investigation still. So I mean it's debatable whether he was even supposed to be there anyway. Mm-hmm. And so she comes there to clean up the mess, but. The mess is our lead character that we love. Yeah. So you all automatically do not like her. And and brilliantly, the book does a great job of taking us to hate land for her. Yeah. And then I get to a point where I almost like her. Yeah. And then it kind of just 
Well, so turns her into something she gets evil. Yeah. Captured by the butcher in black and is forced to watch him do heinous things. And this, of course, scars her psychologically and spiritually and emotionally. And she is then sort of uh, uncontrollably turned into a murderer as right. a result. Goes and crazy, and she kills Carol, who is Finch's uh, former partner. Now, what's important about her as a character and a plot device is that, and I know you've probably thought about uh-huh. this, is that they use her to demonstrate what the murder gene feels right, like. Right, right. So she has the murder gene. Yep. Um, and it gets enacted in her when yeah. she's in captivity. So right. by the third volume, we now have a character that um, it's it's brilliant how many roles she plays yeah, in yeah. the story. Yeah, really does. Yeah. Um, but one thing that she does is she shows us what it's like to feel these uncontrollable urges to kill, and right. and, and, and then the way and then what that looks like in the book is all of a sudden you'll see two pages of bloody murder happening yeah. which is just in her head right so all like of a sudden a she'll be in a boardroom yeah. and then she'll be and then somebody will say so barker what do you think about this subject and she goes well you know what i think i and think you're all gonna die and, she and then she's gone and kills and, everyone in the room and, and then, then like guts yeah. them with scissors yeah and then like the, another panel hits and like none of that actually happened right, right. so it, it serves the purpose of showing us what that must feel like and her uncontrollability it makes us feel very uh, sympathetic towards her but also is that her fault it's kind of evil right so maybe she and we didn't like her to start with but the really interesting thing it does is this is at the end of the day a horror comic yeah and it allows the book to have fake outs constantly right. and then brilliantly and then the, it was at the end of the fourth arc brilliantly when she kills carol and it's one of those think, scenes right you're like Oh, is this another hallucination? And then it's not because the oh, the next the final page. Everyone he's actually from the, dead. He's actually dead. The, everyone that is in the hospital waiting room comes in the room and says, "Carol, what did or, uh, Barker, Barker, what, what did have you, you do? done? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, and I was not expecting it. Right, I, because they they trained me, they conditioned me over the course of at least ten different times. Right, where she sees red enacts this fantasy in her head and it doesn't actually come to pass and then the 11th time right bam right over the head and i know here done. we're talking a lot about the writing obviously and the story beats and everything but one of the things that just really makes the book what it is what it is is henderson's art and how just cinematic it is and that scene especially is so well orchestrated and delivered it is that um just from the arrangement of the panels to everything from the coloring to the lettering to henderson's pencils is just phenomenal um, so this is just really, it's you know, a team know, effort. It, very much so. And, and actually, yeah, no, I mean, we are writers, so yeah, that's the yeah. perspective we sure, come sure. from more. Sure. Um, but that said, the art is brilliant. Um, also though, as we all know, in the world of comics, the best comics come from the best collaborations. Sure. And so you have to have this synergy. And so there's a really great part at the back of the third trade yeah. where I'm sure you saw it, where they show like one of the times when Joshua Williamson and Mike Henderson work together yes. to make a brilliant double page spread right and basically there are four different scenarios happening mm-hmm. all at once and they're done i don't know if you if you guys have ever read um powers powers yeah, does uh-huh. this a lot where yep. they have like a double page spread and it's broken down into like 32 or 48 boxes right and they just go one after another in this case it's like a checkerboard but instead yep. of just two colors it's four and boom 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 you're you're seeing you know four four different um scenarios happen and actually let me before i talk about it uh, ineffectively let me say here so there are four things happening it says 
One is Barker watching the Bee Man get killed. So there, so when she's captured, which we talked right. about, um, she sees a murder, which is somewhat of the triggering process yeah, uh, yeah. of how she becomes this. Number two, she sees the Bee Excuse me, number two uh, is the Bee Man actually getting killed. So the first panel will be her watching and her horrified face. Yeah. The second little panel will be us actually seeing what she's seeing. Yeah. The third panel will be Warren and Finch arguing, because at the same time, and this is, again, very Silence of the Lambs, where in that movie they flash between different locations and fool right. you as to where you are at what right. time to very strong effect. This is that same kind of thing where at the very same time these things are all going on together. Um, Barker's going through hell, and then at the same time Warren and Finch are arguing. And then in the fourth panel you'll see the B-Man's decapitated body parts. So it's like one, two shoot away to, uh-huh. to, to Finch and, and Warren and then come back and then see like the horrible outcome of what's happened. Yeah. One, two, shoot away to Warren and Finch arguing and then back to the horrible outcome of what's happening. Right. And so it's interesting. And, and the best part is the tension that's built. And because uh, Warren and Finch are arguing about Warren trying to get Finch to cross the uh-huh. line, and then you are also seeing a characters crossing that line brutally. Um, it's just a great effect, and it it, it 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 just really is. And what you see here is the little notes that that um, uh, Williamson wrote to Henderson, yeah. and he basically apologizes profusely. He's like, "I am so sorry. You're gonna hate me because uh-huh. like there are one, two, three, four, five, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, forty pa- forty panels to draw yeah. in just two pages. Yeah. So it's a ton of work." But this is a collaboration. Right. This is what you get when you have a very thoughtful writer who's just working his ass off to tell the story in the most effective way, and you have an artist who's all in. Yeah. Um, and you know, no matter how successful your book is, Nailbiter is not making them millionaires. No. It may become a movie one day, and they may make a hundred k off it if yeah. they're super lucky. More likely, they probably made fifteen thousand off the whole book. Right. Maybe thirty. I mean, I'm guessing. Yeah. Very I, little money. Yeah. This is not done for money right um and so total labor of love and um you know they needed obviously enough readership to secure them through the whole series so they could put the trades out hopefully sell those right um but yeah it's not your the walking dead or anything like that no they're Um, not making that kind of money with this book um and so everything all that extra work is just extra they're doing it because they love it Right, right and you could feel that on every page of this book so so on the subject of the art and then also the brilliant. I've read a couple reviews of it to see mm-hmm. what other people's thoughts were, and all the reviews on this book are, are stellar. Sure. Um, just justifiably so. I think some of them are a little even too high in case in, in, in instances, and I'll talk about why shortly. Mm-hmm. But the a lot of the praise goes to the letterer on this book as well yes. because he is, and I and I always overlook lettering. I, I am not. I, I am guilty. Well, I think that's, that. that's kind of the intention, though, of letter. It's yes. It's almost like editing in a movie. It has to be done so meticulously and so And it may be perfectly. the hardest job. It may be the hardest job, but that's the trick that you're not supposed to notice it because yeah. your focus should be on the story. It should be the way to kind of advance the story. And, the, I mean, minute you, like and the, the minute you notice it, it's being done wrong. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And so that's the trick, but, oh, I mean... It just uh, goes so above and yeah, beyond here, yeah. though. So, you know, obviously the letter is responsible for the uh, the word balloons, mm-hmm. and the letter is responsible for where you place those on the page. Obviously the artist makes space for them, they right, collaborate. Right. But where you put them, how you put them, how you space them, that's like the basic lettering. The font but size, this book everything. is Right, yeah. but this yeah. book is full 
of screams and utterances and uh-huh. curse, curse splashes and yep. krangs and uh, that's a great character from Ninja Turtles. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, curse splats and just like really good. And another thing too I noticed too is instead of like instead of the normal huff 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 or yeah, the way yeah. they described it, the, I, I actually found myself reading it out loud to try to understand like the kind of heavy breathing. That, and this is weird, no, but the kind not. of heavy breathing they were trying to explain, and it sounded exactly right when I read it in my head. Yeah. So they just really took their time with every panel, with every word on every page. It Agreed. really just that shock value, just the momentum, and keep the pacing just right. Yeah, very, very, yeah. very challenging. Yeah. Um. Okay. So next character. Okay. So just a few more. Um. And these are getting more. Well, to the villains, what's good but... about this is it's it's giving us. Uh, an ability to talk about the book as a whole right. through the characters. Exactly. By the way, when we talk about the villains, let's talk about them with their um, hidden identities to start, and then we'll go into who they are at the end. Okay, sounds good. So the first is the Butcher in Black. Okay. Um, so he's basically the ultra, like, um, horned Lord of the Rings type. Uh, Unkillable, like, it Unkillable, seems. like, um, he's the Darth Vader to someone who's he's lurking tall. in the back. He's tall, menacing comes out of the right man, super intimidating, got the big axe, or I'm sorry, he's a sword, but like, um, but ultimate slasher. Um, so yeah, for, you know, obviously he's not the one with all the dialogue and he's not the mastermind behind it, but he's sort of the second most important baddie of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's, he's he a, every time. and, and, and if you, until they really reveal that there is a master behind the scenes, I mean, it's always kind of, you knew it, like if you really pay close attention earlier, you'd see it. But until the last like two volumes, it, the master doesn't really emerge right. as as the big bad. Right. The big bad is this butcher. Right. He's the right. one who's scary. He's the horror movie Freddy. He's sure. the Chucky. He's the Jason. And so his reveal, which we'll talk about, was actually uh, something I didn't love. No, and, I didn't either. And uh, and and unfortunately, but I also wasn't desperate to know. Like, I, no, that wasn't. No, the, it wasn't essential. You know, yeah. But I think I think at that point it wasn't essential. Uh-huh. If you'd asked me earlier on in the story. I, episode three, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I would have said who, how the serial killers are created, and who the identity is of this killer is essential right, to this right. book being good in the end. Yeah. And because... by the fifth volume, I had changed my mind on that, and I could care less. Right. I still wanted to know. Yeah. But it was but it such wasn't. a good story, yeah. and that is what you know. A lot of people talk about MacGuffins and uh-huh. the idea of you have this pointless. Uh, portfolio that everybody's looking for. It means nothing. It says nothing, but it drives people forward in the story. Sure. People talk about that a lot, as and they and I think that it's overused the idea of the MacGuffin because yeah. in reality, if a story does it right, you have something that is interesting and important, and it acts in the quote MacGuffin way of yeah. pulling you through the story. So if you really do your job well, you get both. Well, it's just like, get... I mean, they're not every Deus Ex Machina is bad. It's right. Still, you know, I mean, right. Like, well said. It's a classic story motif that has been used ever since, you know, Greek and Roman theater, and maybe even before that. Um, but, you know, it, it can be overused and it can be used poorly, but there are plenty of cases where it's a perfectly legitimate thing right. to put into your story. And, and so when it's done right you get what you get in this story um not about this reveal but about later ones where the reveal is satisfying but you don't even need it because at that point the wonder has pulled you through to the point where you care about the characters right right like genuinely so and that rarely happens for me where i'll get to the point where i care about the characters so much Uh that i could care less about the reveal um or, or I should say that if the reveal was bad, I'll still like the story. Yeah, Let's yeah, put it that yeah, way. Yeah. And this is one of those cases, and then the reveal being good is icing right, instead right. of the cake. Right, cool. So. so, yeah, that's the Butcher in Black, and then 
Um, before I get to the master, talk a little bit about Dr. Glory. Um, okay. So this is an interesting one. Um, yeah. So he's one, and again, he's he's actually one I kind of forgot about him. Yeah. He is. He introduced was introduced early, early on, but I didn't remember. And that. then they don't really. I f- totally forgot about it because. But again, it's been a while since I've read the first volume. Yeah. Um, I actually think this would this book would really benefit from a, a straight reading. Like a straight yeah, through, right, yeah, like a one week read on right. it, or even a day or two. I agree. Really benefits the story. I agree. Um, but yeah, so he's just kind of this um, character that's more in the background, and that um, in the latter volumes we learn that he has a much bigger connection to the Buckaroo Butchers and um, to the whole plot. Um, but there's not as much to say about his character specifically although there is uh, a the, senior and a junior yes and that's the, well that's what i was <laughs> they pull to. that switch do you want me to go ahead and get to that now to that which thought, aspect the, the, the ending yeah this or all that or because i that well i mean do you want to go ahead and do the reveals of the well, master do, and all that well let's do that stuff um yeah that, i mean that's fine we can go to that i thought well, let's we'll, we'll talk about the ending in general in a minute okay but but i mean dr glory is just I yeah, mean, I mean that's the thing. There's not too much to say about it. until like, we start talking. He about seems it. all unassuming, and he only pops up and out, and then he turns out to be have a big connection. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so what what are some of your other topics that we want to talk about? Um, I guess we could talk about the ending now. Um, I guess yeah. It's let's time. go. Well, let's go ahead and do like yeah, who the master is, and then what Glory's connection. Well, well, okay. well while we're on Glory, let me. T- uh, yeah. So he is the son of the. We learn is he's the son of the architect of the White Chapel project which was this um, experiment developed to determine what makes a killer. And um, his father was obsessed with this idea um, because his parents had been murdered as a child and he wanted to... Understand. Right. And so... Try to have some method to the madness. Right. And as a scientist, he wants to uh, somehow figure it out. And so the Whitechapel Project was this elaborate scheme where he captured a bunch of people, ran tests on them... um, to try to make them into murderers, they eventually turned on him and um, and killed him. Um, but he was sort of the original architect. Doctor Glory was the original butcher in black. Um, and then we learn. And then once his father dies, we learn that um, the master, my the new at the uh, um, heart of all this story, is Morty the Mortician, um, who is talented mortician who has this been around forever has this encyclopedic knowledge of everyone in buckaroo um so he turns out to be the master um and had been there as part of the white chapel project from the very beginning which seems hard to believe because he's a little young looking, right but, right right but maybe they kind of explain that. that but not really yeah. i don't know what did that they say the, well did, or did they say that um you can look in the in the sixth volume but um toward the end but did they say he was the son of like something too and like disguise himself or something? It was a li- I was a little confused about he, that. He's older. No, he's he's pretty or old. Now that I look at him, he's just an old dude. He just used some chemicals to kind of. Yeah, maybe, know. maybe. Yeah. Um, regardless, though. Um, yeah. So yeah, basically, so Morty the mortician is the master. Um, Doctor Glory was uh, um, the son of the original architect was working with them. Um, and then we will learn that the butcher in black, the second butcher in black, um, was a murderer from um, a while ago who we don't really learn much about other than no, um, no. So yeah. basically, um, oh, I didn't even realize. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Henderson but, signed. Yeah, he signed that one. Yeah, right and now. actually, same with uh, Adam. That's cool. He cool. signed. He signed my book. Nice. Um. So yeah. Um. 
the the at what you start to find out. I'm just going to go through the plot sure, here a little bit. So what you start to find out as the book goes on is there are these catacombs right. underneath the town, right? And they were basically a murderous gauntlet. It was created by Doctor Glory and the and that sort of Whitechapel operation in an attempt. It was man-made. It looks like it's Mayan and Aztec and all this crazy shit, but really, it's just some doctor's fantasy idea of what's going to get people to turn into murderers. Sure. He tested a bunch of shit. Apparently, there was like this test. Then there was the gauntlet. Then there was the conversion or something like that. And they never fully explain how they like convert you and yeah. get you to start really acting that way, which is fine. Right? But what are you going to really say? I mean, they they did some shit. You know, but what was going on down there is he was trying to figure out by taking blood samples, by trying to activate people, by trying to find people who were murderers, bring them down there, test them, including Warren, including the blonde, including others, um, and and determine what it is that makes them a killer. Um, And then he had devised this test um, through this whole process, and it was. like a blood test that can, or a little like shooter gun thing yeah, yeah. that could detect whether or not you have the gene to be a serial killer. Uh-huh. So in an interesting way, it's very minority report or um, psychopaths. Right. This idea, again, of what if you could tell somebody's intent as opposed to their actual actions. And, and, and they go- say leading up to it, they're like, if the government ever got to these secrets, then it would, it would be change the, the world. Right, right. And that's what's good is they paid that off because when they started saying that kind of hype earlier yeah, in the story, it, I was it. like, "Whoa!" That's the, and, and that's a bold move to do as a writer right. to like make the reader that hyped up for it and say, it's "Not just gonna be a reveal. It's like this could be world changing." Yeah, yeah. There. It isn't yeah. just about Buckaroo. It isn't right. just about these characters. It is the fate of the right. Earth. And to make know? that claim is bold. Yeah, you know, and, um, and they do sell it. Yeah, um, it's a little bit Deus Ex Machina. Mm. Where you know magically this little gun appears and who devised it? Positive, how is it devised? Negative, yeah. Right, and you just shoot it in your arm yeah. and it tells you if you're a killer or not. Right. Um, the problem being that Warren, interestingly, and I don't really know this is cake and eat it too territory for me yeah. because he comes up negative on the test, so he actually doesn't have the murder gene. Right. And so he this always fully f- chose to be a murderer. Right. Yeah, so yeah. this always frustrates. Dr. Glory and everybody and trying to determine like why is he the one horrible killer that right. doesn't have this gene. It throws the whole theory out the window and maybe that's the point is yeah. there really is no way to tell and maybe this one gene isn't what determines murderers or not. Right. And those are the interesting questions that this book asks. That is but not at the same yeah. time though, the book as a mechanic uses this gun that can determine whether you're evil or not to, to exonerate people. Uh-huh. So it shoots Barker in the arm and she has the murder gene. It says negative murder gene or no Positive yeah, for the murder gene. Positive. Red yeah. positive. Yeah. And yeah. then for um, Crane and her daughter, right. they both come up negative right. and they're relieved. Especially right. Alice, who is the daughter of a horrible serial killer. And then and Warren then, takes it and says, see, I'm about to prove that it was uncontrollable all along. I was just sick. He takes it and then flips the page and says negative. Which is a great plot device. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like it would have been more compelling if the tool worked. Yeah. Because I think you can't have it. I, I, if there's a murder gene, you can't have a murder is that choice. So yeah. you can't have a guy you like just to make a point about yeah. Warren to say that like well he had a choice in it. Yeah, but so does every murderer. But the yeah. murder gene would just make them make bad choices. Uh-huh. So that 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 annoyed me a bit. Yeah. I, it was like, we want to have a gun so we can say that Crane and Alice are not murderers for sure, and we know. We want to have a gun because it gives a meaning or a reason why this would change the world if it ever got out. Right. We want to have a gun because we saw little shots earlier, and now we know what those meant. 
but at the and why and oh and it also explains why they wanted Warren. Um, that's another thing. Uh-huh. So the big mystery early on in the story is why is the nail biter free? Right. He's been out for the first two volumes. It's like he's just out of jail. They, he got you know out. They let him out. Right, right. Turns out because of all the you know seedy connections in the town, Doctor Glory and Morty bribed and paid off the right people to get um, the nail biter released, as well as the serial killer called the Blonde. We didn't go into her. She's a small I, character yeah, that I comes up at the mention. end. There's no yeah. reason to bring her up. She just comes up at the end. Uh-huh. She's like sort of a serial killer, sort of not. That she's reopening the murder store. And all yeah, that. She's, yeah, she's yeah. it's an interesting little subplot, but it isn't yeah. important to the story. Um, but but they both get out of being in jail uh-huh. in his case and in her case being in a mental institution because Morty in general mainly has pulled strings yeah. and so you find that out and and so the existence of the gun also motivates that decision that he needed these people to test it on uh-huh. to make sure his theory was true. Um, it's also revealed that potentially there are other towns. There are a couple things this book does to try to seed or set up future volumes. Not too bad. Yeah. It's definitely self-contained. But the very, very ending, which we'll talk about, um, does that as well as um, you know this idea of there may be other towns. Because yeah. when Warren and M- Morty are fighting at the end, um, so first of all, Barker um, kills herself. Uh, she she sacrifices herself right. to save everybody, right. proving that she has a good side. Sure. Um, and then Warren kind of does the same thing. He's fighting with Morty while everyone escapes and right. gets out. Like kind of sacrifices himself. Sort of there. Yeah. R- yeah. It felt very well. I well, just, Gollum, that but whole... no, but Gollum wasn't doing it. The right, I know, heart, but like but... just the setup of that scene felt very good. It's fire all right. The town yeah. is right and all that. It just kind of reminded no, me. No, definitely, that. definitely. Yeah. The, 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 the chaos station. and destruction, and everyone's just trying to run out yeah, and yeah. get away to Portland in this case. Right, right. Um, but it's it's uh, that the gun. I just I wish. I don't know. I I yeah. I, I got an idea. I got an idea. Okay. Don't don't let Warren use the gun. Okay. Yeah. Or, that would have or, been or, that or been something or so, well, because, so we don't know. You know. So with that. The that final page up, is left on a very ambiguous note, but in a more, like, cliche way, that would have been a better note of ambiguity to leave it on to um, have him about to get the gun and maybe he dies right before or something like that, and you never know. Right. But, um, so the ambiguity at the end of the book is, you know, so basically Buckaroo is destroyed because Morty destroys it. Um, the town goes up in flames. They relocate. Uh, or also um, Shannon and um, Alice, Alice re- relocate. Um, Finch goes back just to he keeps doing what he's doing um, and Warren we uh, thought died back in the fires there but then on the um, last few pages he shows up psycho sequence. psycho yeah. right um, it's, I mean she's in he the gets shower a knife, he gets a knife he's in the shower and he then, comes home and says hi honey and then she blasts him um, six times and, like, with a gun times, he's he still okay up again um, and then it kind of goes to black after that, and so and no, um, no, but there was a scream. Well, they so scream, something yeah, happened yeah, right. on the next page. It says ah, and then so, it goes to the end question mark. Right. Yeah. So, so one of two things happened. I've heard other people interpret it, and, and I think this is very accurate. Uh-huh. Um, either she shoots him again, and it's his final scream of death. Right. Which is probable. I want to think that's what happened. Uh, yeah, I would. Or. He attacked her and was successful in hurting her, right, and maybe right. cut her or escaped or right. slashed her and ran or who knows Something, what. Yeah. Um. So the there's two possible outcomes. There is either or three, I guess. Um. Either he survives only, she survives only, or they're both alive and one of them ran away. There's also like it ties back to an earlier issue where he claims that he um the butcher in black because uh, he gets captured at the end of volume three, I believe, and he claims that. The butcher in black killed him. He went to hell, could not be contained there, and escaped. And he says this, fully believing that 
defense in Ukraine. That's true. Um, I forgot about and that. So part. Um, it makes you wonder if he's some kind of supernatural. And maybe that's and true. That you know, maybe that I, like did it happen again? He went back to hell, or maybe and, and got himself out. And that would also explain why he came up negative for the murder gene. Yeah, he's not a human. Yeah, yeah, he's something else. And that I think would work. Leave, and I think it does leave you with that possibility. That would really work. I never yeah. thought about that. I'm glad yeah. you mentioned it. That yeah. is a really good idea. Yeah. Um, and then they could it could be yeah because Finch does say that um that that he couldn't tell. He could. He's the master of he, lie detection because and, he is in. Right. He's talking to terrorists and torturing answers, so and he, he knows he, the truth, and, he, and gets, he couldn't tell. And he gets beyond frustrated by that encounter because anyone else would have said this guy's crazy. He's spouting BS all over the place, but he genuinely can't tell that he's making that up. Right. Yeah. So it also hints at the sociopath idea. However, he really cares about his daughter, and he really cares about Crane when he's in his rational yeah. mind. So it's very – it leaves a lot of things ambiguous in a good way. Uh-huh. Now, on to some things that I didn't love. Yeah. Um, Mr. Negative, what was his name? Mr. Mr. Killer, what's that stupid fuck's name? Mr. Uh, Mr. Something. The, the guy, the freaking uh, identity of the... Of the Butcher Black. Yeah, yeah I, I don't even but What's his name? Mr. I, don't I gotta find out because I hate his a, ass. It was at the beginning of that arc, I believe. Um, oh, when we finally see what's her name? Let's wasn't see. it that? Is this the hack slash? Pro- no, no. No, was it in the fifth one? Ah, it right. was in the fifth one. It's the beginning yeah, of the it fifth. Was. Okay, yeah, it um, was. Okay, so this book had um, crossovers, and we'll talk about the other one here in a minute because it was a good thing to talk about. Yep. But the first crossover, excuse me, but the second crossover was a hack slash crossover. And in the hack slash crossover, it says Nailbiter Hack Slash Special. Yeah. And so hack slash, for those that don't know, and, and I only know a little bit about it, um, is a very supernatural nothing. book. I knew nothing about it. But it's so a very it, so, supernatural yeah, yeah. book. It is about monsters. Yeah. Supernatural fucking monsters called yeah. slashers, okay? Yeah. It's not like this book. Right. It shouldn't take place in this universe. It is not the same. Uh-huh. But Cassie, who apparently is the main character and then of that book, yeah. and then some dude in a gas mask, and I should probably do more research before I rip this a new one, but I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, I, I, I uh, knew nothing about right. this. Right. So, but anyway, so, yeah. so Cassie... Um, me is hunting some killer at an amusement park with her buddy uh-huh. and she runs into the nail biter and uh, he's out so now another little interesting tidbit we don't have to go through about every... a, it says it's like a few months or so before his arrest maybe yeah. Two years, yeah. so he's Sometime out killing people so what, what Warren was doing was two things which is interesting he was on one track and he is interesting he is kind of schizophrenic uh-huh. on one tra- side he was going out to find all of the descendants of buckaroo to try to give them support and let them organize themselves and not fall into the trap of becoming killers right and then on the other side he was out murdering people himself so it was this really interesting dual track and so during that period of time he meets cassie from Hackslash, who's out killing supernatural monsters uh-huh. but comes to this area because she finds out there's a killer in the area and who is it it's this dude whose name I've got to find out. Where is it? Where is it? It's Mr. Something. Um, God damn it. Why can't I think of this? It's like Mr. Devil or it was Mr. Trump Suicide. Cheesy, yeah. Um, but, um, oh my God. How do I not know this dude's name? They say it in that issue, I know, somewhere. But it was something cheesy. It was something cheesy. But anyway, they're fine. Like, He's as, like, one-dimensional as could be. Yeah, he's like, basically yeah. just this yeah. killer who yeah. came from Buckaroo. He wears glasses. Right. You never find out who he is. You right. never know what he's about. Right. And what happens to his face? Why uh, He gets hit with, like, a flaming 
axe or something yeah, yeah, yeah. by Cassie, right. the character from Hackslash, right. who's only a guest star in a promotional crossover. Right. She bashes him in the face, and then the reveal at the end, like the second to last episode of the and entire 30-issue yeah. series is he's like, it turns out I have to wear this mask. Yeah. Do you know why? And he pulls because it off. Because Cassie hit me in the face. What like, the fuck? I know. That why was the very... fuck does Cassie have anything to do with the prime plot of this story? Right. You want to do a side story where Edward is off doing whatever? That's fine. fine. But and if you want like, to make it quintessential to the very cover of three out of the four bo- uh, five, six books, yeah. look at there's the dude in the mask yep. on the cover of the book. Yep. Why has he got the mask on? Because hack slash? Yeah, yeah. Come on, dude. That was lame. I agree. And I don't know whose decision that was or like, did what it had- that went, but that was a very poor decision from a creative standpoint because, I mean, as you said, like crossover specials like that, especially in indie comics, it's different when you're on like a Marvel DC book, you know, and you can do stuff like that. Um, because well, because this, the like, universe is defined universe. at that point. The universe is very defined. You know that this it's supernatural one, in that universe. This one, I had never heard of Hackslash before. Um, re- and so I was very lost by that. It's different, too. It's not the same It's not the same audience. It's not the same audience. So to have that... Rev- I mean, I know, again, like while The Butcher in Black is a quintessential part of the story, again, I was never... Super interested in his reveal, more in the reveal of the whole mystery, you know, right, about right. Um, the cause of Bucker Butchers, etc. Um, so, but yeah, it was a very that you know that's definitely the biggest um, problem from a narrative standpoint. Um, so that that bummed me out. Yeah. Um, but you know, it 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 was it was whatever. Yeah, you it, cannot you no. can't have perfection. No. Now let's let's on it on a more positive note. Let's talk about the good crossover. So one of the things yeah. I loved about this series early on, yeah. we are big Bendis fans as yeah. people that talk about comics, as people that are writers, because yes. he's the most verbose comic writer of all. Yeah. Um, we talk about Bendis as being he's one of the greats, um, and he has a. There's an issue um, in volume, volume two, two. <laughs> where Bendis rolls what, up. It's definitely one of my favorite issues of the entire series, if not my favorite. But He rolls up, yeah. and this one does a brilliant job of segueing him into the story. Because, yes. A, he's a real-life character in a story that is not supernatural. Right. This is a real-life story. Right. So Bendis could totally exist in it. That sure. makes sense, Cassie. No. Right. Bendis, definitely. Yeah. And so he rolls up. He's doing research on the story, maybe for a comic book, maybe for a movie, who yeah. knows what. And he ends up down in these catacombs running for his life from a killer. And yeah. then Crane runs into him. And, and then, like... He, he he gets he's at a convention later and he gets a he's note somebody it, threats yeah. threatens him and yeah. says I'll let you live I let you live in the caves but I'll be watching you um, I guess which is the master saying that to him right, Woody probably right. um, but and then it references it later in the series yeah um, I can't remember who says it but they're like you know that comic writer never wrote that book and, yep, um, it and, does. yeah yeah and that was perfect because it was a night he has this really cool encounter with Warren where Warren challenges him because he's like, you know, you and I aren't so different because look at how many characters you've killed, but people, uh, characters who people loved, and um, you've done the same as I've done, and um, and so it adds a really interesting um, motif there, and I loved how that was done. So that was a perfect example of a nice self-contained issue um, that is a beautiful um, parallel to the comic book world, and um, ties in really well to the main story, um, and is nicely referenced later on, but in a very, like, it's not... Clever. Se- yeah, it's not essential that you read that story, it, um, but, like, it's a cool addition. Um, so, yeah. So that's really cool that, that you, yeah, out of the two crossovers, 
one was very bad, one was good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Great. Yeah. Um, so um, the other thing I want to talk about uh, is that the thing that I think I was the most compelled by, and, and, and I tend to be a little emo on this front, but um, I love the relationship between Warren, Crane, and Alice. Absolutely. That I mean, was one of the most sickly, disturbingly, but genuinely romantic situations I've ever right. seen. And there is a scene in this book, by far my favorite scene in the whole series, and you're not even sure if it really happens, because it's one of those, they, yeah, they pull that same say. trick, yep, I know they pull that same trick where they, they, you know, it, we were talking before about how it's hard to describe, which is what's so great about this comic, is it uh -huh. uses so many techniques that are hard to put into words because they're comic techniques. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and one of those is in this book they do the thing where um, they do that where where yeah, the, where the, conversation the, with the killers and the, the well, well where the killers um, have what well, we were talking about it before where the killers have these crazy moments they fly into yeah. where they're imagining things. Right. Well, in his scenario, he is in jail. Yeah. He's having a conversation with Crane. She she and this whole time his character is his is is. His one of his core characteristics is that he's never straightforward. He right. never tells you how he feels. Right. He always makes a joke. And he always go. talks shit. And all of a sudden, he's she's like, "Can you?" Honest. She she just says, "Can you be um, honest? Can you um can you can you tell me the truth for once? Tell yeah. me what really happened. Can you be honest with me? Can you do that?" And then he goes, "You want the inside track? You want to know the real me? Let's begin." I loved you, Shannon. I probably always will. But you were never my first love. And then he talks about biting his nails and how sick he is. Uh -huh. And he goes on to tell this really emotional, great scene where he admits his sickest desires and inclinations amidst the backdrop of his love for Shannon. Right. And then... That's why he left, fucker. Right. And so you find out that he didn't leave her to be an asshole. He left her to save her life because yeah. he was sure he would have killed her. And by the end of this book, it also foreshadows the end of this trade exactly. where he's there at her shower yeah. about to kill her yet again right um so he and anyway after he does this whole reveal where he reveals all his feelings and stuff to her through the bars of the prison all of a sudden they're about to have a kiss and she tells him she completely she goes that's that's all i needed to hear warren i i forgive you and then uh -huh. she like kisses him on the cheek and then he goes i missed you so much and then you hear can you tell me the truth for once as if the whole thing had never happened. It was yeah. her asking, can you tell me the truth for once again? The whole thing was in his head. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But they leave it as an ambiguous balloon here. So yeah. maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. And it doesn't contradict the story either way. No. Um, it's really good. Yeah. It's, I mean, look at this. And, and, and he not, is broken down. Right. I mean, it's so good. And he references, like, Christmas Carol there. Mm -hmm. of, like, you know. Dickens um, being really. one of my favorite authors. Right, I mean, right. it's just great. Right. Um, so I, I think I think the... If they hadn't done it so well, it's a book that did the whole, um, he's evil, he's not evil. Uh -huh. He's evil, he's sensitive. He's evil, he's sensitive. He's a killer, he's a dad. He's a killer, he's a husband. He's a, or not a husband, but a lover. He's yeah. a, they do that, that dichotomy throughout the whole book in a way that would have been really annoying if it weren't so compelling. Absolutely. Um, it's really done well, and I think that is the crux of the story. This, the, this family drama, in a way, between these three characters is is incredibly well done yeah so tell me what did you think of the morty reveal um did you think it was interesting did you think it was good again so by the end of the book especially i wasn't that itching to know 
who the master was and who the butcher in black was i mean i wanted to know but that wasn't the driving question i did want to know where our characters would end up and the murder how gene the, the thing. murder gene thing those were the bigger reveals so i thought the morty reveal was fine it yeah. wasn't the most shocking thing or anything like that but i thought it worked for yeah, the purposes it of did. the story it did um, i thought it so too. Sense he was also in perfect position right, to do everything right, he did right and you know i mean if anyone is going to know all the town secrets and is going to have it that much of a connection to death and murder it's him um i can believe that yeah he was there at the beginning of the white chapel project with the original dr glory um so i think it worked fine um yeah it was well done yeah it was well done i wish they had been he had a little subtler touch to how often morty was reintroduced in the last two volumes i think he's another one that i really forgot about yeah but again i having read like the last half of the series in a few days and then the other ones a little more spread out um, it might have worked better. It might have worked better as really a straight forgot. run. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I'd say to anybody. Well, we've already revealed everything, but yeah. Um, I don't know if you have friends and you're going to recommend it to sure. them. I would say recommend it as a straight read. Or even if you've like gone through it in issues, you know, like it's a good one to go back through in the trades because um, the trades have some nice features at the end. They've got script excerpts and um, looking at how making some of the art. Or, yeah, making of how some of the art was constructed, etc. Um, so that was really cool. Do you have any um, other topics we wanted to touch on? We talked about a lot of them. Um, I don't know. Well, so where do you think things are? Le- I mean, we uh, left. We talked about the possibilities of, um, you know, if Shannon is dead or um, Warren is dead or um, Warren gets away. What do you think happened? Because I, I think it's yeah. all, I mean, they want the reader to interpret that. And it's a classic, you know, um, thing where filmmakers and writers do. Personally, I mean, because I, I get, just like with Inception, I like to be optimistic and think that oh, yeah. um, uh, Shannon stopped and I want her and Alice to have a happy ending. So I do leave it at that. But um, there is that, I mean, the whole thing of how he came back, that possibility is ringing in my mind that, you know, he did actually go to hell originally yeah. and got spat out and um, is this supernatural force. That would be, I think, the best way. I'm, I, I love that concept you came up with because that would be, in my mind, the best way to continue the story. Uh-huh. If you're going to write volume two of this, in yeah. that, in a, and what I mean is like another 30-episode thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. you need a lot of shit to mine. Yeah. And I think a supernatural side to it would work. Yeah. And it has been hinted at. So you obviously have characters coming back from impossible situations. You have the whole the bee thing. You have the idea of the, this gene splicing right. and modification. And you the crossover ha- issue with the tech slash. That's yeah. true. I, hate yeah. to, I don't even want to I don't want to admit, it, but, but yeah. Yeah, it's true. That does bring up the does. possibility for that. Yeah. Um, also, if this was like a Marvel Universe or something like that, um, th- those kind of little hints would have been thought out that well. Sure. Where it's like, well, we introduced Hackslash, so that brings in Supernatural. Don't forget that little fact, you uh-huh. know, that kind of thing. Um, I think that the concept of maybe Warren is Supernatural is really one of the only ways you could take it and do another, even even 12 to 15 issues. Sure, sure. And have it be interesting. Because other than that, it's just... No, it would just be the same thing. It, it, yeah. it would. So maybe... Yeah. I, I, I don't know how, how they could go with it. I mean, I certainly believe that Alice and Shannon are fine. Yeah. And they're yeah. living on their own. Um, their story I, I don't really love in general the idea of him showing back up at their door. No, I know. Honest. It's like a class... I mean, it's... If I'm honest... I was kind of hoping they would avoid that, but like... And, like, you, you brought up the possibility of um, if they wanted some sort of ambiguity in the end, I think having him not take the murder gene would have been a more effective way to do that yeah. um, and a less cliched. But I think it was just kind of, like, I really don't think it's... It um, doesn't it, matter. Like, I, mean, I think it is complete, the series of it, and 
I don't think they'll go through another one. I mean, maybe down the road. You never know. But I think he did the tease more as just, you know. Yeah, just to, to leave of, it. Just to keep the, the coin spinning on the table. It's a classic thing, you know. I mean, leave the coin spinning. Sure. Inception style. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just. I, I think the best, most powerful part of this, and I, and I bet you if I asked Joshua Williamson, he wouldn't disagree completely with this. I, I could be guessing wrong. Yeah. But I believe that he would say that at the core of the story, it's a family drama. Absolutely. About these three characters. Yeah. Um, as the story goes on, in fact, it becomes less and less about Finch mm-hmm. and more and more about Crane, Allison, right, right. and Nailbiter. Right. Um, and so I love the idea, and I got the most pleasure out of the Warren character while I was reading this when I thought of him as, I'll tell you when I really loved him was when there was that episode where the, the trick-or-treaters came over. Yeah. And they knocked on the door, and they came and basically broke and entered. He's on the run at this point, uh, Warren is. Sure. And the little kid is scared shitless. Uh-huh. And Warren and he's like, aren't you going to kill me? You're a murderer. And, the, and he goes, kids? I've never, ever, mm. never hurt kids. Yeah. And then he says, um, luckily for you, I'm a murderer with a conscience. And this concept... It's really interesting. It yeah. is. And this concept that he kills people because he can't help it, but that he protects those that he cares about and he has scruples is yeah. a great concept. And I think going after Shannon at the end throws that off, yeah. fucks that up. Now, there is the possibility that the doctor or Morty or whoever finally turned him evil in the end, finally mm-hmm. activated him, but he didn't have a murder gene, so that's not possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I don't really know. I just wish that hadn't happened. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I just love the idea of him as a protector, as a yeah. romantic figure. Yeah. Um, and again, that may just be the, well, that's the, thing. the romantic think, in me. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you're meant to have a very complicated relationship with him and a complicated attitude toward him. Um, and that's what makes the series so ingenious is how it pulls that off. What would you say are your favorite parts of the, of the run in general? What did you enjoy the most favorite as you parts. were reading it? Okay. So the Bendis issue I've talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, I really do like that conversation in the, the, um, the, so the, the jail. End, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, I think the conclusion is handled well. Um, let me think back for a sec. Um, let's see. I mean, I just like seeing Alice evolve a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a specific moment. I mean, well, it is interesting. What, what, I don't think we talked about that. Um, so she does learn the whole. She's the one who reveals yeah. everything because she learns it all at the end when she gets captured um, she makes a deal and she makes a deal with, with mr sinister or whatever his name yeah, is. yeah yeah the yeah butcher and black um to not tell in order to protect um her family and so um that was an interesting uh reveal that, that but i like that she gets to be the one to unveil the villain's master plan um and all the secrets and um like i said be in many respects the main hero of the story I, yeah I think in a lot of ways you're right on with that I yeah. think I was I think I was I, I think that you're right I think that yeah. the whole story is really about her much in the same way that Southern Bastards looks like it's eventually going to be about the um, daughter of right, Bob, yeah, uh, right. Yeah. and so that's that's a really interesting mm-hmm. aspect that um, that I really like yeah so um, yeah I like that part um, and also I just really like how much of a character the town itself is yes um, and so and that's something it's really hard to do and I remember being in writing classes where like um, my professor was always saying to everyone, like, you need to make your setting a character. Like, you, right. this story could be set anywhere, like, you're focusing way too much on things without realizing where they are and why that's important to them. And he's absolutely right. And so here they do a phenomenal job of really building Buckaroo from the inside and out um, to represent a larger picture, but to be very unique. Um, and that's... And 
you know, when the town burns in the final volume, um, you feel an emotional connection to it because it's like you want it. Um, the town to be saved rather than to go up in flames. Yes, and so that's true. I did. Yeah, and so I hated yeah, that. Right, and so I think, and I think it does that capture that emotion really well. Um, but yeah, just the little intricacies of this small town, and um, you know, the book. Uh, I, I know, like every book and movie um, of genre fiction is dis- likes to be described as like this meets this, and this one they say it's Twin Peaks meets um, Seven. Seven, yeah. And, um, which, you know, is like, you know, I guess I that's always, true. I don't yeah. see much Twin Peaks in it. Well, in I fact, see, I see almost none. Okay, okay, okay. But there aren't even quirky, well, I, so in that one, it's more like quirky, just, I've only seen a little bit of Twin uh-huh. Peaks, but yeah, my same. understanding about it is that it's, that's about, like, quirky characters that, that they're not just quirky because they're killers, if yeah. the, any of them are, but they're just, like, weird. Yeah, And they yeah, do yeah, odd yeah. things. Right. In this town, most of these people just act like people. Yeah, yeah. So in that true. way, it wasn't that weird. But the town itself was isolated. It was right. in the Midwest, uh, not Midwest, the, yeah. um, yeah, I guess. You've got a sheriff character Northwest. at the top. Uh, yeah. At the top and, yeah. And she's Very dealing with some crazy shit. So there yeah. are comparisons. But uh, yeah, I think I'm it's, not, well, I'm it's not really much more, that. it's much more Silence of the Lambs meets. Right. Um. 16 candles no <laughs> i mean you know i look i mean look at this look at this um the night i left prom the night i left yeah. prom night it was great magical shannon was the only girl who ever understood me but that night i saw her chewing her nails she said she picked up the habit from me it was in that moment that i realized what i was what i really was and i know that if i didn't ditch sam ditch shannon and leave town immediately that i'd kill her I'm gonna tweet that to Joshua Williamson. So he, maybe like when the hardcover, all the hardcovers come out, they can put that on the back cover as a description. Like, uh, Science of the Lambs meets Sixteen Candles. Rich it's perfect. Board, it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. It. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but that is how I see it. You know, yeah, it's about yeah. it's a coming of age story. Yeah, meets mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs. I thought you're very with, right. Yeah. With a sarcastic twist, because right, it, it right. Re- it's self-referential. It knows that it's Silence of the Lambsy, and it even says, "Hey, we're not trying to do Silence of the Lambs here," you know, in a, right. in a really cool way. So, right, right. Um. Anyway, so I love that aspect of it, I think, is is what really does it for me. And sure. then just when you see, I mean, just these kind of scenes right here between him and his daughter. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. just beautiful. It it's really truly is. beautiful. Um, and and this shot where he says, I would have strangled you in your yeah, crib. Yeah, and it's, oh, it's And so, his arms are around her face. And that moment really, because, again, adding to the complicated attitude you have toward him, a lot of times you are just so, like, you know, this is a fictional character. You're meant to be kind of, like, wowed by his charisma and fascination, just like his fans are. And then it's moments like that where you are reminded that he is a monster inside out. Yeah. It really uh, it, it really is. I mean, I'm just yeah. looking back at it. And amazingly, I think this is one of the few series that are written as a as a like here are the secrets to be revealed about the town story yeah. that i would actually read again right right which is which really says a lot like heavy rain is a game it's a story-based game that i absolutely love and it's one of the best stories i've ever experienced yeah but I don't, I don't ever want to play it again. Whereas this book, I think I would go on this adventure again and just yeah. experience it. And just note all the nuances, because they were they knew what they were doing, and they seeded stuff the whole time. Yeah. Um, little hints and tips. Now that I look back at this, I'm seeing little stuff that's... I mean, yeah. they knew very clearly where they were going with this story from the beginning, which, which, is very, which is very, very impressive. And I don't know. I just think they took characters that you and make you hate them and then make you like them really, really well. Absolutely. Alice is even another example. She wasn't that cool early on. You kind of don't like her that much. Yeah. She's a little bit um, hard to deal with and like bratty, like yeah. you know. And then she becomes and then, yeah. 
a hero. Well, yeah, you grow with her too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you really, you really do. Um, so did anyway, they, did they ever say how much time passes over the course of the whole series? Um, at least, at least a couple months. Yeah, I'd yeah. say. Um, because I say more than that. There's but, travels uh, to. Yeah. There's there's a, you know, volume five is like a trip to uh, Atlanta where there's yeah, other yeah, murders yeah, going yeah. on and. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole story obviously takes place over generations, but well, yeah, this yeah, this yeah. part, the, uh, yeah, um, present, I, I would say, yeah. And well, also you got to remember that what do you define as this part? Because Warren, not Warren, uh, is it Warren? Who's the guy who comes to town? Um, the the guy that invent that figured it out the first. Um, wow, Carol. Carol, yeah, Carol, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the whole Carol part of it, when he comes to town and yeah, learns yeah, the yeah. truth, right, um, is is interesting. Right. And and then you know he calls Finch, and then uh. Finch comes and meets up with Shannon, and then the whole thing gets kicked off. But the more and more I think about it, the more I I, I have affection for the series as a whole. I think uh-huh. it's just done really really well. Um, and it does totally. a brilliant and it does a brilliant job of doing again like sort of a reverse Breaking Bad, where yeah. it takes a character that's a monster and humanizes him for six volumes right, in a right. really good way. Um, and uh, yeah, lots of evolution of characters, uh-huh. but at the same time, they kind of they never lose their core characteristics. So yeah. a really good character is one, in my opinion, one often that can surprise you, but that you it never does something when you're like, no way, that would never happen. That that's yeah. ridiculous. It's out of character, except for maybe the final scene. But again, that's almost a tease of the future more than it's part of this story. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, really great work though. Absolutely. I think it would make a great movie. Oh, I think so too. Well, or a series? Yeah, I, I like it. It would be a shorter TV show. I thought it more of a TV show. A than mini a movie. series. Like, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, it's six. You've got about five issues per volume. Um, it's enough for. I mean, Hannibal is only three seasons. So well, no, and like it would I, do. I think it could work as like a one season, eight to ten episodes could tell this saga. Yeah, I think that okay, would work. Yeah, that's possible. Um, because I mean, there's. I, I think there's enough material there for like a really yeah. solid season, maybe twelve episodes, sure. and then like I'm worried that a movie would cram it too much. You yeah. know, I mean, it could still be decent, but I don't well, think no, it would it would, it, yeah. would, it would because yeah. you have a character like like Morty, like he'd be popping up too much, right, right. to make sure you knew who the fuck he was, yeah. and it, it just would be really forced and artificial, and I don't. And I don't with a TV show too, it's very pos- it's you know it would be a reasonable budget. You don't need like insane effects or anything true. to do like you could do you gotta that blow as... up the town but you just have to show a couple shots right, it could right. be pretty cg'd out right uh, and then you need the butcher outfit yeah um i mean it would have to be on something hbo or netflix or something because of like you couldn't air this on network tv and right. you know but well, the content would just um, be stripped to death right yeah. right right um, um but yeah i you know i would like it as a series I'd watch it tomorrow. That's for yeah, damn yeah, sure. I wonder yeah. if it is uh, has been option. I bet you it has. I'm sure by some, I know, but I mean, who knows if it's in some of development. Ninety nine percent of stuff. Maybe never goes a script has so. been written. I don't know. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Overall, great so story, nice. huh? Yeah, absolutely. I was really satisfied by it. Yeah. Um, and I was really worried as the story went on that it was gonna blow the ending. I was yeah, like, "There's yeah. no way it can do it," and it pulled it, it off. I think so too. It pulled it off by 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 accomplishing the ultimate feat, right. which is making the thing that got you all that way not significant by the time it's revealed so yeah. that it can't disappoint you. Absolutely. That was the real magic trick this thing pulled off. Yeah. So, awesome. I mean, it's kind of where I like it. It has a human element to it that um, is driven by its characters, has a really interesting world building. The um, possibility of on, supernatural. Right. But doesn't come out and answer that uh, fully. Um, and it ends at just the right t- time. It doesn't go on too long. So, yeah. Kind of like this episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, on that note, yeah. um, where can they find us, Kevin? Uh, you can find us at thejoyofgeek.net for all our written content and podcasts um, on Twitter or Facebook. 
You can find me on Twitter at KWSheaf. You can find um, me at Rich Laporte. Uh, is it R- at, R- R- yeah, at, at Rich, Rich Laporte. Laporte. Yeah, yeah. 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 Your email is... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Let's tell the world my email, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, and then you can also find me on smanewstoday.com. Right, right. Um, Some great stuff over there. Thanks. And then here at ultimatecomics.com where I write weekly reviews. So, Beautiful. Yeah. Um, once again, thank you for Ultimate Comics for the venue. Absolutely. And um, come to NC Comic Con and Greensboro Comic Con to support them. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, on that note, I'm Rich Lapore. Kevin Schaefer. And uh, we'll see you later. Take care. <laughs>